just read about planting seed and watering seed and how the people in the church in Corinth came to know Jesus Christ initially uh, relates to my own spiritual journey. So let me ask you a question. How many of you have heard of Biola University? Let me see your hands. Okay. Biola is an acronym for Bible Institute of Los Angeles. B-I-O-L-A. So let me ask you another question. How many of you have heard the name Dr. J. Vernon McGee? Let me see your hands. All right. Dr. J. Vernon McGee was the pastor of Church of the Open Door that was in the same building, 13-story building, as the Bible Institute of Los Angeles. And Dr. J. Vernon McGee was my pastor from birth through graduation from high school. So during my primary years, during my secondary years, going to Church of the Open Door, uh, a lot, a lot, a lot of seeds were planted into my heart and watered in my heart. And then I went to Vietnam for three tours. And when I came back into the real world in 1968, I was a certified sinning sinner. The seeds had been planted. The seeds had been watered, but it was not on God's timetable until one and a half years after I came back from Vietnam, I listened to a speaker at California State University, Long Beach. He was a former Black Panther. He had just come to Christ. He had left the Black Panther Party, and they were the, they were the revolutionaries in the 60s. And Campus Crusade, rebranded to Crew today, was hosting him on campus to tell his story. And so on March 18th, 1970, I joined 3,000 other students to listen to James Weston tell a story. All of those seeds that had been planted and watered in my heart over all of my primary years and my secondary years, and then a lot of time that those seeds sat in my heart, at 10 minutes to 1 o'clock on March 18, 1970, germination regeneration took place. And now for the next six Sundays, over, the, over eight weeks, but for six Sundays, Reg and I are going to introduce to you the biblical metaphor of how God wants us to relate to non-believers, and it's the picture of agriculture and farming. All right. Thank you, Jay. <clears throat> And if you, brothers and sisters, have been saved by Jesus from your sin and given eternal life, guess what? You also have a story, a testimony of God's uh, bringing to life the seeds that have been, the gospel seeds that have been planted and watered in your life. And I, and I would love the chance to hear everybody's story in detail. I guess that's what heaven is for. We have eternity there and we'll have time to hear everybody's story of how God saved us. Okay, so here's the thing. We have good news to share people. We have the best news in the world to share with people that we know, people that God has placed in our lives. If you make a list of everything that happens at the moment of salvation from the Bible, scholars have put together this list, you have about 40 things that happen that are the best news in the world. 
Let me just read some of these things to you. At the moment of salvation, germination, regeneration, when God actually takes all those seeds that have been planted in your life and you trust him and receive his salvation, hear the things that happen in your life at that moment, and we can be grateful. I'm just going to read this list. Forgiveness of all of your sins, union with Christ, freedom in Christ, deliverance from bondage to sin, sins removed as far as east is from the west, a clean slate washed white as snow, given a place in God's kingdom, regeneration, justification, adoption into God's family as children of God. Redemption, reconciliation, propitiation, that's God's wrath turning away from you. Citizenship in heaven, that's good on the passport. A part in a priesthood, a part in a holy nation, a place of fellowship with saints, partnership with Christ, the down payment of the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit, the seal of the Holy Spirit, remedy for sin nature, remedy for sin guilt, a clear conscience, a promise of glorification and the eternal pleasures of life in heaven forevermore, and the greatest mission in all of the world, the mission to tell everyone else in our lives about all of this good news. Amen? Woo! I love it. And we, we need to not be deceived by the devil anymore that those things aren't true in our lives. Wow, what power God has given us. So we're, we're going to take this short break from our series in Matthew and start this series for the remainder of the summer, Gospel Seeds, Planting and Watering, because our Matthew series has been titled Follow the King, and this is a big part of our following the King, and it warrants, this is a good season for a church who wants to grow in making an impact in Warsaw and, and in the world. And this could be one of the best seasons ever. God has so much to say about this activity that we call evangelism. So much that he's revealed it all in, in an easy-to-understand way in this metaphor, this agricultural metaphor, or, or farming, planting, and watering. And so we're going to dig into this a little bit more in this series. This is what we're here to do this fall together, this, the rest of the summer together, into the beginning of the fall. We're going to do some planting and watering as well, not just sit here in this room and learn about it, in some exciting ways. And at the end of this message today, I'm going to just announce some of the things we have to look forward to over the next several weeks, some exciting plans. So let's start with some basics about this word evangelism. We all have different levels of understanding of that word. It's a big word. Maybe it's, well, let's just talk about it. Now, I need your, that's right, bulletins are very helpful. Thank you, Aaron Turner, for remembering that. Raise your hand if you didn't get a bulletin. The sermon notes are in there. They are helpful. All right, I need your participation here. When you think of the word evangelism, that's a big word. What are some other words that, that we use? If you've been a Christian for long enough, you know some other words. Uh, for this activity of evangelism, what are some other words? Shout some out. Sharing your faith. Sharing the gospel. Witnessing. Can I get another one? Soul winning. Outreach. Can I get a witness? Testify. All right. All those things. I got your attention. This is what we're talking about. The word evangelism. 
Now, sometimes you'll hear the word that we are an evangelical church, same root of the same word, and it literally means to tell others the good news of Jesus Christ, the gospel, to tell those who tell. Now, here's the sad thing. We, the church, pastors, etc., have turned evangelism into an academic program. Over the years, books, classes, seminars, and methods with a lot of memorization and outlines and steps. And this approach surely has helped some, but it has discouraged many people, including me. For example, if you don't want to read a book, or if you have a difficult time memorizing and recalling on the spot, or if you happen to forget a portion of the outline that you're supposed to follow while witnessing, you could easily walk away in frustration and think, you know, telling other people about Jesus just isn't for me. And I'm just certain that a lot of you are resonating with that. But it is. Jesus says it is for you. But getting it right makes all the difference. If Jesus was physically present here with us this morning, if he was standing right here and I asked him, Jesus, would you explain your process of evangelism that you want all of your followers to do, this concept, would you, would you explain it to us? He might just answer with one word. Agriculture. Or farming. God did not give us a method to memorize, but a process to be lived. This is good news. He gave us a process to be lived. And that's why the title of today's message is is Gospel Seeds Planting and Watering, The Process. And so this is going to kick it all off today. See, the New Testament writers constantly use farming words, the farming metaphor, to describe our work of proclaiming Jesus and the work that's done in us as we receive gospel seeds planted, as Jay's testimony and, and yours might illustrate. And this is a beautiful thing, because a picture of farming is a picture that anyone can understand. Any person can understand this picture anywhere in the world, any time in world history, we can understand the process that God has. Even people living in huge cities can understand the farming process, because they often have a potted plant, or they know somebody who does. This plant right here tells us everything we need to know and to practice about evangelism. Let me just show you, let me boil it down to the three basic elements necessary to harvest a crop or to make a plant grow. Three basic elements. And we all know this. God made it simple. We need dirt or soil or a field. And then we need seeds. And then we need water. Those are the three basic elements. Now with that in mind, let's look at Scripture. The passage that Jay read, 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 8, is the most basic, the most complete introduction to the farming process found. Would you turn with me to 1 Corinthians 3 if you haven't already? If you want to pull out the Bible on the rack in front of you, that's on page 896. And before we get into the agricultural metaphor, which begins in verse 5, we're going to start with the first four verses 
with the problems keeping a church or Christians from evangelism. The problems keeping us from evangelism. In verses 1 through 4, Paul talks about the problems going on in the church that are keeping the, the act of the process of farming from happening. So let's look at the first four verses. And then I'll draw out what, what we need to see. He writes, But I, brothers, so he's talking about talking to Christians, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you are not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? This is not exactly a compliment. Let's look at the key words here, and if you want to underline these in your Bible or circle them, he, he uses the word flesh three times. Your translation may say worldly or carnal to describe his brothers and sisters in Christ. And then he uses the term only or merely human twice. What he's drawing out here is that we have been kept from following Christ and growing to maturity in Christ by pride. The resistant. See, even though we're in Christ through our salvation, through Christ alone, through our faith alone, we can still be immature believers. Positionally, they were in Christ, but practically they're acting like a bunch of non-Christians, doing whatever the flesh feels like. And these people are prideful, they're stuck on themselves, and they're divided. And these are major problems in any church's worship, and growth, maturing, and therefore are engaging the world. It's cut off. Pride is a major problem keeping us from telling the world this good news, from evangelism. Another problem is fear. Because our flesh is fearful. We need to admit, admit this and embrace this. It's how God made us. Our flesh is fearful. All the surveys about evangelism show the same result when it comes to evangelism across all of Christians. Fear. We're afraid. It's the number one response mentioned to the, uh, to the mere mention of evangelism. Maybe you guys have already started this morning feeling some of these things. Dry mouth, clammy hands, nervous, butterflies in the stomach. Emotional excuses, all kinds of excuses. This is very natural. And it has caused evangelism to be the least favorite thing of Christians. It needs to not be anymore. What are we so afraid of? Well, let's be honest. We're afraid of fear of looking naive about believing in Jesus because, you know, so many people don't believe in Jesus. Well, we don't want to look like we're naive Fear what other people might think about us. Fear of not being able to answer all the skeptics' questions. Who can answer all of them? I can't. 
fear of being rejected or laughed at outright? Or how about fear that I won't say the right things? I face all of these. Do you? Amen. Say amen. Amen. Again, this is how God made us. This is our natural, that means he made us, flesh. Pride and fear are problems that keep us from sharing the greatest news in the universe about Jesus who has saved us and given us all this. Let's look at God's response, though, his way to overcome both of these problems that keep his people from the riches of obeying him and from the riches of seeing other people come to faith in Jesus and live, come to life in Jesus. In verses 5 through 8 now, we discover the, the introduction to the Bible's farming process for our telling people about Jesus. The Bible's process of evangelism or spiritual farming. Let me start just reading verse 4 again, which moves from the problem to the process. So here we go. Verse 4 said, he's talking about the problem. For one says, I follow Paul. And another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not being merely humans? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. through. All right, check this out. We've got to meditate on this verse 5. Servants through whom you believed as the Lord assigned to each. It's God who gives faith. We just lead people there. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is really anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his own reward according to his labor. We're going to talk about each part of these verses now. In these four verses, we see various roles and tasks for all of us. All right, let's look in this process of spiritual farming. First, the twofold task of the farmer. That's us, the farmer. Look again at verse 6. I planted, Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. So the first task for the farmer is to plant the seed. The second task for the farmer is to water the seed. Which raises the question, well, what are the seeds? Next week's message is all about that, actually. But I'll just tell you a little bit right now what the seeds are. The seeds are you and me. We are the seeds. And the seeds are the words of God. These are the seeds. So we plant and water our relationships and God's word into the soil. Those are the tasks of the farmers. And this is going to be very exciting to, to journey through this process and grow in it together. What a blessing. Those are the tasks of the farmers. Now, what is the role of God? For that, look at verses 6 and 7 again. I planted, Apollos watered. What comes next? But God. I asked my daughter to write this because she has better handwriting than I. But God gave the growth. So in comparison to that, neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who gives the growth. 
You know, these two words, we write them on the board because they are words of freedom. Let me explain. Would you like to hear some, some really good news about evangelism? Would you like to be set free of fear in relation to evangelism? How many people would like to be set free of fear? I would too. Would you like to get rid of guilt about your lack of results in telling people about Jesus? Well, I sure would too. God will never hold you responsible for the results of evangelism. Because look at the text. That's his responsibility. That's his responsibility. It's not ours to put on our shoulders. That's his responsibility. Let me say more about that. You will never hear Jesus ask these questions of you. How many people did you lead to Jesus, to faith? How many people did you see, pray, and receive Christ in your life? What kind of results did you see? And he won't ask us that. He won't hold us responsible for the results of evangelism. Why is that? Why will he not hold us the response, uh, res- responsible for the results? Again, because this is our job right here. We plant seeds, we water them. And once a seed goes into the ground here and is covered up and is watered, it is literally out of the farmer's hands. It is invisible to the farmer. How many people are farmers in here? Raise your hands. To to any extent. I know we have several in our congregation. But again, how many people have ever planted anything? Okay. So we know this. Once you plant a seed, you push ground over it, you apply. All you can do at that point is apply water. But consider there's a lot of activity going on under the, under the surface, right? There's all kinds of germination happening under the soil, around the seed. None of that activity is going on above the surface where we are except pouring water on it. And all of that activity under the ground is the responsibility of, the, of God. The power of germination is taking place. We don't get to see that. God is doing things in that, in that seed. God is doing things in people's heart that we have no idea. All we can do is water and wait. Water and wait. Water and what? And wait. In other words, the process takes time. It takes time. And God is okay with that because he designed it that way. For the process to take time. And it's God's time. It's God's timing. And we can be okay with that. That's his design. It's his responsibility. Otherwise, it would be like the farmer's wife who asks a question to her husband, the farmer, who on the first day of planting season in the spring goes out and spends all day in the fields working and toiling, planting seeds all day. And he comes in at the end of the day and he's sweaty and grimy and dirty. And he walks in and his wife meets him with 
this question. And have you ever heard anybody say there's no such thing as a stupid question? His wife asks him a stupid question. She says, well, honey, how many ears of corn did you harvest today? You've heard it said there's no stupid questions. That is a stupid question, right? Why is that such a stupid question? The farmer's wife proves it wrong. There are such things as stupid questions. Because the, the guy was out planting seeds all day. How could she ask how much corn he harvested that day? Now, what questions should have the farmer's wife asked him? She should have asked, how did the planting go today? How many seeds were you able to scatter to sow? How many acres were you able to, to plant out there? Let's encourage each other in the process that God has given us to plant, scatter, water, seeds. Not the results. Those are up to him. And it's okay if, if we're bad at this. I want to say at the outset, this is why we're, we're spending some significant time doing this. It is okay if we are not good at sharing our faith, at telling people about Jesus. We can make it really simple. But I learned early on when I committed, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to follow everything his word says, and I'm, and, uh, and I'm going to enjoy all the blessings of everything his word says. But okay, I'm not very good at sharing my faith. I'm going to get out there. And you know what I learned? I learned probably what everybody uh, has to learn as we begin being obedient to Jesus, that we can hack our way through. That was the wording that, that popped in my mind. I'm hacking my way through here. I'm awful at this. I've got no answers. Uh, but I saw something. I saw God use that. He uses our faithfulness, not our skilled, polished words. Now, we can continue to improve, but never put your faith in, in, the, in the polishing of your words. No, we hack our way through. And honestly, people see that as really genuine. They see the sacrifice that it is, uh, and it's powerful. Because, again, who's it up to but God? However, verse 8, let's look at verse 8. God will reward us on how hard we have worked in planting and watering. Verse 8, he who plants and he who waters are one. That means they're of the same importance and we're on the same team. You plant, I water the seed. In time, they'll come as God draws them in. And each will receive his own reward according to his labor. It doesn't say that Jesus is going to get on your case about the results again, but it does say that Jesus wants to reward you for your faithfulness. He never judges us based on our fruitfulness, but our faithfulness. That's another way to say it, and I love that. Get a lot of freedom from that. If you work hard at planting seed, if you work hard at watering the seed, Jesus is ready and able to give you a reward for that, and, and that's a reward that, that we want. The crowns that he has, the blessings that he has, the joy that he has for us, the closeness he has, what we get to be a part of and witness in fulfilling the mission that he has given us. So let's go forward with this. Very encouraged. This is encouraging. And this is theological sound. This is practical truth. And it should be the first blow to the fears and the divisions and the pride that, that we face so we can get going. But let's conclude today with a little bit of a word about what we may be doing wrong 
uh, in this process and the right way to do the biblical process. Point three is titled, A Wrong and Right Approach to the Bible's Process. And I just want to call out just a, so a growth area for a typical American Christian and American church. The wrong way to do evangelism has two basic parts that we are way too familiar with. The first is act nice, just hoping that if we act nice, that people will somehow come to realization of the, the fact that they stand condemned in their sins before a holy God. And, and there is one way, truth, and life. That's through Jesus Christ alone, through his death and resurrection on behalf of us. And if we put our faith in him alone, through faith alone, he will save us and, and give us all these things for salvation. We somehow hope that if we just act nice, people will figure all that out. It doesn't work that way. The second is only invite to church. Only invite to church. Now, while this is good, it is absolutely good to invite people to church, and that's the majority of my planting and watering seeds. It really is, honestly, because I know that if they come, they will hear the gospel here and see the gospel in the way we treat each other, and that is, is a great thing. So that is good to do, but it is not the entirety of Jesus' expectations for those he, who he saved. You see, people have lost trust in institutions in our culture, including the church. And further, our culture nowadays is losing faith in Christians almost entirely. So it is empirically shown and true that more than 60% of the people in our country will never darken the doors of a church. And so if we're only inviting people to church... 60 plus percent of people will never come, but they still need to hear about Jesus, right? So that's the wrong way is to only act nice and never say anything and to only invite people to church and never do anything else. What is the right way? The right way has three big parts, and this sticks. The first is prayer. I will continue to say this because I've just finally learned this is what the Bible teaches in every part of it. Everything starts with prayer because it is useless, it is less powerful, and it's less joyful to rely on our own power, to just skip that part. One of the great hymns we sang, all the problems in the world, all the weaknesses in the world because we do not take it to the Lord in prayer. What a perfect song to sing this morning. Seek the Lord first. Just ask him. Ask him to know who to reach and, and for divine appointments and to prepare our hearts to talk and their hearts to receive. Just pray. And so to put our action where our mouth is, at this moment we are going to launch the Colossians 4, 3, and 4 prayer campaign today. If you have a bulletin, and I hope you do or somebody near you does, take out the insert that's printed on cardstock. We made it a little bit heavier and thicker so it lasts in your household for eight weeks. Okay, we're going to launch this Colossians 3, 4, 3, and 4 prayer campaign. We're launching that right now at this moment. I want you to grab one of these. If you don't have one in your hands right now, you can get it out of the bulletin. And here's what it says. It has two sides on it. The darker side is more for global mission, our missionaries. And the lighter side is for what we're going to do in our homes, my fields, where I'm going to be planting seeds. You see four categories, friends, family, neighbors, colleagues. We're going to write down some names and then I'll explain this grid, these checkboxes here. Let's read Colossians 4, 3, and 4. Let's read it out loud together, please, if you have a bulletin in your hand. Colossians 4, 3, and 4. Pray also for us 
that God may open to us a door for the word to declare that I may make it clear which is how I ought to speak. Pray for me for opportunities for prepared hearts so I know how to speak and so I know that the responsibility for their salvation is not on me. I'm just talking about that I love Jesus. It starts with prayer. We pray for the, the people in our lives that we know that need Jesus. And I'm going to encourage you. I don't even care right now if you just stop listening to me. I've never said that before. And just start writing some names down. Just start writing some friends, some family, some neighbors, some colleagues that you think, okay, I'm going to pray for. I'm going to pray for and see what God does. And then these, this grid here is 56 boxes. That is how many days are over the next eight weeks. And I'm going to ask you to set a goal to just even just say a short prayer with everybody in your household for the names of the people on this list and for opportunities. Just pray Colossians 4, 3, and 4. And try to check off as many of the 56 boxes as you possibly can. Can you get all 56? Can you get three a week, which would be, what is that, 28? 24. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> this is, uh, just watch to see how God moves in praying. Okay, sometimes people think, I can't make time to pray, I'm too busy. All right, I just have to include this. The great pastor, John Piper, one of my favorite John Piper quotes, check this out. It said this, the great contribution of Facebook and Twitter in the end will be to show that Christians always had time to pray. Amen? We do. And that's where everything starts. After prayer, I'm going to give, give you the next two. It is care and share. I told you this would be easy to remember. Prayer, care, and share. This is how we live it, the Bible's process out. We care Listen to this, because Jesus modeled that the doors open to evangelism through compassion. We want to follow Jesus in all ways. And as we've seen throughout Matthew, Jesus healed and he helped and he encouraged. He cared as he spoke God's truth. And so we must serve our fellow humans sacrificially, and that can look a ton of different ways. It could be financial. It could be serving them with our time or skills or ability. I think probably most people in our culture just need friends. There's a lot of loneliness. Or maybe accountability or encouragement. People need things, and we need to care for them. Because, listen, and if, when we're talking about evangelism, I need to establish something else. That people are not projects. They're not targets. Follow Jesus here who loves all people sacrificially and calls us to do the same. And so we care. And this is no bait and switch. Do you know what bait and switch is? It's, oh, I give something very attractive and then boom, there's a hidden agenda. We don't want a hidden agenda. Jesus says love people, care for people, and tell them the greatest news in the world. That's what we're talking about. So prayer, care, and then share. We share because Jesus demonstrated his love as he told people who he was. And that's the model we follow. Always just let people know, hey, I go to church. I'm a Christian. Let people know that right up front. No hiding that. However you want to say it. I'm excited about what our church is doing. I'm volunteering. Um, I made this decision. 
because I'm a Christian, I'm a, I'm a Christ follower, and a gospel seed gets planted when you talk about spiritual things. That leads me to a couple next steps here as we launch this series, as we talk about prayer, care, and share. So prayer first, again, we're going to keep reminding this and, and having these available, the prayer campaign I'll send out emails, reminders. We're going to do this in our home. This is my accountability family. We put this in a prominent place. Try to get as many as 56 checkboxes. And um, watch what God does in you and the people that you're praying for. Then an easy way to care and share is by asking questions. And so another feature of this series is going to be if you have a bulletin, inside the bulletin, you might have noticed already, there's a new section on the bottom right on the inside, and it's called Gospel Seeds Conversation Starters. There's going to be 27 conversation starters, and you can save these. And the challenge here is to read them and then just imagine yourself asking somebody one of these questions. They're really engaging. See, asking a question can often be an enjoyable way to, to engage people, to, make, to become friends with people, and to get them to think about bigger things than we typically think about in a non-threatening way. And so number two is up here on the board. Just in your own words, if you were to ask someone, hey, you know, whatever you're into or doing or saving or that yard work you're doing, <laughs> let me ask you a question. In 150 years, will it matter if you and I made a million dollars, drove a nice car, lived in a beautiful home, you can put this in your own words. And just let that sit there. That's powerful. If somebody were to ask you that and just let it sit there, will it matter? You know, they might come up with a variety of answers, but they're go going to be thinking. And then it says, the only thing that will be important at that time is whether you know the God who created you. Because that will determine your forever destination. We want, to, we want to equip ourselves to this great work that, God, that Jesus has directly called us to do. How else can we pray or care and share at Community Grace? Tomorrow, soccer camp begins. You've heard it. We talked all last year and this year about soccer camp being an all-hands-on-deck you may not know soccer. You may not be available this week. But can I ask you to do a few things? Can you guess what they are? <laughs> Prayer. Would you pray for soccer camp? Starts tomorrow night. Kicks off, I should be saying. Uh, where's the drum? Um, care. I mean, you can donate. Shin guards are still needed and things. And share. We've got, we've got these invitation cards to uh, actually the next three events that we're doing, and we've got a lot of them, actually. They're on your rows. I know Ben told you earlier, uh, asked you to pass them down, but would you just grab a stack of those? And Heather reports that we have fewer sign-ups than we did last year. I think that's a call. I mean, we're going to serve whoever God brings. But again, planting and watering is, is what he's called us to do. Would you just... Our family is going to go around our neighborhood today and just give these out to any, any household that we know has kids. Would you mind doing that? And we might actually go out to um, some apartment complexes tonight or this afternoon as well. Heather's uh, considering organizing that. If you're interested in that, would you just contact Heather Faust, our children's ministry director, 
it's, and it's a lot of fun to do this thing together, just to go pass these out uh, all around this area. Uh, we have something that the community wants. This, this soccer camp is awesome. It really is incredible. Those are just, we have much else planned for this series, and I was going to list a whole list of all the cool things, but let's just, let's just focus on those things for today. But I have one more final challenge, and that is this question, is your salvation germinating today? Friends, we're all spending eternity somewhere. You have a soul that knows this. The question is where? And the extremely bad news of God's righteous judgment on our sin and hell is met with the extremely good news that Jesus paid it all already. For those who give their lives to him and receive his gift of salvation, would you do that today? The gospel seeds that have been planted and watered in your life, could they become alive today by you confessing that Jesus is my Lord? Would you forgive me and save me now? And he will. He will today. Let's pray and conclude our service today. Lord, my prayer today, and I, I could pray in so many different ways, but would you allow us to see the world as you see the world? Can we pray that today? Would you all join me in that prayer just in your hearts? Lord, help me see the world the ways you see the world. And then just watch the work that God does in your lives. Lord, I pray that you will do a great work in our hearts and in our church, our homes, our schedules, as we commit these things to you. Do with us what you will. We return our worship now in Jesus' name. Amen.